Christmas definitely came early as we had the privilege of hearing from Pat Goodman, who's been on Young Life staff for 41 years, regional director, area director, charge of training, kind of held just about every role, and is one of the best teachers and will point you to Jesus like like no one else really does, I feel like, in Young Life. He has such a unique way of doing it. And so we will have three talks that I will post today in the next week or two before Christmas. And you'll want to take some notes because they are just amazing. In fact, at the end of each one of these um, lessons, I'll kind of share with you what's the one nugget that I took away with. So without further ado, please enjoy my good friend and yours soon to be, Pat Goodman. Hey, I want to thank you all. Well, that's a little too far, I think. Not that short yet. You guys, have your time. Just be with yourselves. I'll figure this out eventually. Um. <clears throat> You know, Steve and I go way back. We uh, had some really great times together. And when Steve called a while ago and said, hey, Goody, would you like to come and be with our staff? I said, Man, are you kidding me? I can't think of anything I'd rather do. And I want, I want to tell you why. Um, you guys, honestly, are some of the greatest people on the planet. And I'm not saying that just to say it. Here's why I'm telling you this. A lot of you could be doing other things, right? And uh, see, that little child understands. But you've chosen to do this. Now, here's the deal. You're not noble for doing that. You're just doing what God said. And, you know, we're, we're just a legacy of people who got this right before us. You know that, right? It's funny, even in evangelicalism, we act like this thing, evangelicalism is a new, there are people who have actually thought about Jesus way before we did, starting in the 1920s and 30s. You know that, right? And so all I'm trying to say to us is this, is that you all have dared to say to the Lord, even for a period of time in your life, that God, I am willing to go to where not a lot of people are going, when I could be doing something else because you've called me to this, even be misunderstood or whatever. Some of you have got college degrees, and maybe your parents have even said to you, you're going to do what? Really? You're marrying him? And he's going to do that? Why? And all I'm trying to say to you, there are people, I got a call, I was just telling Steve this at dinner um, last April from literally a dad who I got to know through my son's soccer leagues because his son got killed tragically, who I never met his son, but I knew his, his younger son. But this dad, because of a younger son who was connected with Young Life, who was an unchurched dad, when his older son dies, the only guy he knows to call is me, and I hardly know the guy. You're going to be walking into these places for the rest of your life. We're, we're like game on. And so I just want to encourage you with what you're doing. It is making a massive difference. And here's something else I want to tell you. Whatever you do in young life, whatever positions you hold, I want to encourage you. It isn't about God using you up and then finding somebody else to do your job because your run's up. I promise you that what God has got you to do where you are is much more about Him growing you than it is using you. He will use you but he will use what you're doing more than anything else. I was asked crazily to be a regional director when I was 31 years old by a guy who has the gift of faith named Chuck Reinhold. Some of you may have heard of Chuck. I won't go into that right now. But Chuck was the kind of guy, he really, when he asked you to do something, it really wasn't an ask as much as it was a do. I'm, I'm putting it in the form of an ask, but it's really, we're going to go do this. You're going to go do this. And when I said, Chuck, why would you ask me to do that? He goes, I didn't ask you that question. I'm, I just want you to move. I want you to move where you never thought you'd move and, and to do what you're going to do. I literally got migraines and back spasms for the first two years being a regional director. 
And I literally called Chuck and I said, Chuck, I'll give you five years. I don't know if I'm going to survive. Well, here's what God did through that. I love being a regional director. It's one of the highest things I've done in my life. But there was a reason why I was getting migraines and headaches. And you know what it was? I'm going to talk to you more about this tomorrow. But some issues happened when I was seven in my life that I never dealt with. And I cared way more about people's approval than I ever should have. And there were committees that didn't like me that didn't even know me because of the service charge at headquarters. And I ran from conflict like it was a plague. It found its way into my marriage. At 33 years old, Betsy and I had to have some hard conversations. Not about her, but about me. And so what I'm saying is, is that God used a role and a position to grow a man, to grow a person. And so God's going to use way more, not just what you're doing, um, and he will. You're going to have a chance to go, God, did you really let me be a part of that, really? I mean, do you, know, you ever think about a kid that meets Christ, that, you know, the generations, is that influences? It's crazy. But what he's going to do in you, if you'll let him. So I just want to say this. I don't know what you're bringing. I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow, but, you know, this is a pipe. What do you guys know about pipes? Well, what are they? Don't make this harder than it is. What do you know about a pipe? They get one thing from good things to another, right? If something goes in, it comes out, right? Except I want you to imagine this is your life. And if I were to ask you this, hey, what's coming out of your life, really? And there might even be two shows, one for others and one when you're alone. I just want to ask you, what's coming out of the pipe? For some of you, it might be anger, bitterness, fear, resentment, joy, kindness, goodness. I don't know. I don't know what's coming out of your pipe, but I know this is what goes in doesn't just come out. It actually goes someplace right in here. We'll talk about it later, called the heart, and how well you understand it, face it, dissect it, deal with it is going to determine what comes out. Because God loves you and me enough that he's not going to let us cheat. You can fight him all you want. But he will use the things in your life to bring profound change. And so I just want to encourage you guys with our time here that maybe you're hopping your steps a little uh, higher, a little more encouraging. Maybe you can just understand. I remember Dale Brunner years ago. Dale and I, he, he's written like two commentaries. How'd you like to have to teach with that guy? I got to do that every year at New Staff. And he would always go first, which was horrible. But here's the problem. He actually came to my class. And he's sitting in the front row. And he's taking notes, sometimes in Greek, literally. Like, hey, Dale, why are you here? He goes, oh, I need to learn stuff. And I'm going like, you know what? You're the kindest 75-year-old man who's lying like anything I've ever seen in my life. But honestly, he, he would sit there and... We would just talk about these things, and it was just amazing the kinds of things that we would, we would be able to get into together. And I just want to encourage you guys as we look at God's Word tonight that you would be encouraged by who He is and what He is. And you would leave here a bit more encouraged to go back and do what you do. Because you know what? In some ways, I can see you're not that big a deal, but you're a huge deal. You're going to look a lot better than you ever should, and you're going to look a lot worse than you ever should at times. And maybe if neither one of them mattered that much, we'd just do a little bit more, right? You get a lot more credit than you should, and sometimes you take a lot more heat than you should too. And so you just kind of hold it loosely, and you just keep moving through this thing called life. Amen? All right. So we're going to keep after this. So I want to ask you this. Um, tonight, I want to uh, focus on something that might seem basic to you, but I've never outgrown it, and so I'm just going to take you to a, a, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, which is John 15. 
When I was a regional director, we memorized this verses 1 to 17 together. But before we get there, I don't want you to go there quite yet. Um, we will get there. I want to just ask you a couple of questions. And one is this. How many of you, if I were to ask you, do you think that you think our way? How many of you think people think their way through life? Anybody? You think your way, how many people think that you um, desire or, want, or love your way through life? So let me put it to you this way. Um, maybe put it to you a different way to think about this. If I were to ask you, how many of you in, in this world, um, in this room, have done something that you knew was wrong, but you did it anyway? Let's all raise our hand. Okay, now think about it. Look around the room. You guys are young life staff. This is frightening. <laughs> like if I said, how many of us in this room have done something we know is wrong? Like you knew before you did it, it was wrong. And you could say, I'm going to do it anyway. And if somebody said to you, why would you knowingly do something that you know is wrong? And there's going to be consequences. There's going to be outcomes. This is not going to work out well. Why would we do that? And the answer to the question is because I want it. I would submit to you, as James K.A. Smith said, that many people think that we treat human beings like their brains on a stick. And people just think their way through life. I think people actually desire their way through life. So here's what happens if we think too much like a Greek and not more like a Hebrew. A Greek-minded person thinks very logically, linearly. So we can do this. So if I can teach Kelly A plus B plus C, she will actually do D. That's how we disciple people, isn't it? If I can just get enough information into your noggin, then you will live the right way, right? Now, is information important? Of course. But see, the Hebrew concept of information wasn't what you knew, it's what you experienced. You knew it when you did it. So I could say to a first century rabbi, you know, I really love my wife, and here's what they would say to me. Let me live with you for a week, and then I'll tell you if you love your wife. And so if we begin to think like Jesus did, see, I, I'm convinced that this, the disciples, the team, had to know who he was, but more than anything, they had to fall in love with who he was. Because th th there had to be a proclamation, but there also had to be a demonstration. And this is why this is so crucial. And so I think it's possible for us to go through life sometimes missing this profound little bit of wisdom that the Lord gives us. So um, I have the privilege back home of uh, going down to this place called the Helping Up Mission, and it's a, a mission where, Steve, can you maybe make sure I don't drop this thing, which I probably could. There we go. Great. Thank you, Steve. You're very helpful. <laughs> and, and the Helping Up Mission houses 350 men who've blown their lives up with drugs and alcohol. They're just getting ready to start a women's facility, and I've been going down there for about three years because of an old Young Life contact. And uh, I, I have a chance to teach a couple of classes down there. And you can just imagine like 60 or 70 guys. And their, their first 60 days are on blackout. It's faith-based. It's an amazing program. It was started 100 and some years ago. And I tell these guys, you're in a graduate school. Like in Baltimore, we've got a lot of graduate schools, but none like this. This is called the graduate school of you. Like for a year, you have a chance to understand you for the first time in your life, and somebody else is paying for it. So I'm looking at a group of guys, and I said, look, I want you to tell me what got you in here. And what do you think they would say? I said, "Why are you? how did you guys end up, end up here at the Helping Up Mission? This is a place where guys have blown their lives up with drugs and alcohol. So when I ask the question, what got you in here, what do you think they're going to say to me? You won't get this wrong, trust me. They'll go like, oh, yeah, alcohol. I'll just say, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, drugs, yeah. Oh, yeah, sex, crazy, you know, bad decisions. Oh, yeah, that all got me in here. I'll go, what if I told you that's not what got you in here? 
And they all look at me like, what? I go, um, I asked you what got you in here, and you said drugs, alcohol, sex, crazy decisions. I didn't ask you what you did. I asked you what got you in here. And the room's dead quiet. They're looking at me like, you're a moron. And I said, let me pose a question differently. So it's a big whiteboard. Then I draw this little line down there. I said, let me ask a question differently. Let me ask you, this is what you did. I asked you what got you in here. You told me what you did. I didn't ask you what you did. I asked you what got you in here. I said, let me pose it this way. What did you want when you did this? And they go, I've never heard a negative answer. Here's what they said. I wanted love. I wanted acceptance. I wanted peace of mind. I wanted a friend. I go, this is really interesting, isn't it? I go, there's two. I asked you what got you in here. You told me what you did, but what you really wanted, I said, what really got you in here, think about this, is what you not only wanted, but what you, whether you know it or not, have actually been created for, and you just went to a crazy place to actually get what you've been created for. That's why you want it. One guy in the back of the room goes, I go, and they go, oh my gosh, like, I, I never even thought of that. I go, I know you did. And because eventually, the stuff that you did masked what you really wanted, and you missed it. See, this is something called wisdom. Wisdom is a profound thing in terms of how it operates in the world. And, and one of the things that the scriptures tell us is desire is not going to go away. Do you know that? This is why Jesus' first question in John 1, verse 35, two of John's disciples come to Jesus, and Jesus says what to them? Come and see, but then he first says what? What do you, what do you want? What do you want? It's a great question. It's a great question to ask kids. Instead of telling them what they want, why don't you ask them what they want? But keep asking them. Keep asking them. Because eventually, they will talk themselves into this person. So, you know, you think about John chapter 5, the guy at the pool of Bethsaida. Jesus asked him, do you, do what? Get well. James chapter 4, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Is it not your desires that wage war within your souls? You do not get what you want, so you fight and quarrel. Psalm what? 34, verse 5. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so here's the thing, you guys. Desires are here to stay. Desires are not bad. It's when they get disoriented that they get bad. Desires can get disordered. Disordered desires lead to craziness, but desire is not going away. How much do you ever think in your own life that disordered desires have created heartache? Me too. But desire isn't going away because here's why. You and I are actually desired. Jordan, can we show that clip real quick? Do you have that? I want to show you a little clip, and I want you to, before I show it, um, would you pull it up, Jordan, real quickly? I want to just tell you, this is a, a real quick thing. That's, um, it's it's a, about a glass blower that literally takes, hold on just one sec, and um, hold on one sec. Can you stop that thing? Can you stop that thing? Maybe not. Okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> Woo, that was quick. And so I just want you, I don't want you to miss this. Before you see this, there's a whole container just full of busted up glass. It looks like it's just not worth anything. And this master craftsman goes in and takes a shovel full of this glass. And I want you to see what happens, certainly warped, but in a small time frame, what somebody takes that just looks like it's not worth anything and what this dude turns this thing into, all right? Let's watch this for a sec. 
Well, that will be hard to watch because it's a podcast. So I'm going to put the video in the show notes so you can watch it because it's pretty awesome. And I love the point that Pat makes while using it. Back to Pat. The music is kind of catchy too, isn't it, Steve? I'm just, you're kind of rocking there a little bit, Stevie. <clears throat> hey, what did you notice just watching that real quickly? Just a couple of you. What did you see? Anybody? Did you notice anything watching that? Nothing? Please, somebody say something. It's a process. Good. Great process. Excuse me? It was hot. Yeah, the heat certainly turned up some things and created environment for change. Had to keep going back in the fire multiple times. How about maybe one more? That's good. What's that? Somebody was crafting and molding it. Here's what I want us to know. Do you guys ever know why we have desire? Do you ever think about the fact that God didn't have to create us? He wasn't lonely. It wasn't like the Father, Son, and the Spirit that we so beautifully sang about said, you know, what are we going to do? Kind of being bored, being God. I think we ought to do something to authenticate ourselves. No, 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 that the the beautiful thing is, as best we know, that the Father, Son, and the Spirit existed in this magnificent relationship of love and grandeur and beauty and magnificence. And the very essence of love is that it opens its arms and expands itself. And God Almighty created something that He actually wanted and created us in His image so that we would want who wants us the most. That the greatest longing of humanity is to desire but to want who wants us. And when we want the most, what we were never created to want the most, the most, it creates problems. Here's the beautiful thing about that picture. It was in the creator's mind before he ever made it. He actually had to want that thing. He had an idea about it before he made it. You know, this is a crazy thing I just learned a few, you guys are going, this is nuts. So I'm looking at a room full of 350 men that are wondering if their life has any sense of importance at all. And one of the things that their habits done for them, it's made them woefully immature and myopic. It's for them to learn to grow up. I said, every one of you in this room is a miracle. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, here's what I know. You guys can get this. I said, in a male ejaculation, at least 5 million sperm are released. It only takes one to fertilize an egg, which means you won. Now, that's a miracle, but guess what? So did your dad. And if your dad wasn't here, you wouldn't be here. And your grandfather won too, because if your grandfather didn't win, your dad's not here and you're not here. And if your great-grandfather didn't win, then your grandfather wouldn't be here and your dad wouldn't be here and you wouldn't be here. And if your great-great-great-grandfather, do you see the craziness in this? So this is why when David writes in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Another way to say, I am desired. How many of you in this room know that God loves you? I would say this. How many of you believe he desires you? Just going to leave that one right there. But here's what I know. Wisdom is an intriguing word. It literally means to conform to the way God has made things to be. It means you go with the flow. Another way to think of it would be this. You're skilled at living. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of being skilled at living. It's so fun talking to these men or even kids. You know, it's like, you know, it really doesn't matter in one sense what you think of God. Here's the good news. You've been made for God. The scriptures say, Paul says in Colossians 1, 15 and 16, that everything has been created through and for Jesus Christ. 
that's just the way it is. That's wisdom. And you get into the flow. I don't know about you, but when I said yes to Jesus Christ on a Young Life weekend, I didn't feel like I was doing something weird. I felt like I think I'm finally home. And so here's our Lord in John 15. It's crazy. I think Jesus is talking about this massive reality of desire and what he's really trying to do. So in John 15, Jesus gives this beautiful, beautiful picture It's interesting, isn't it? These are his last words. This is literally hours before Jesus Christ goes to the cross. You all know this. Last words matter. Some people have said Dale Brunner, the same Dale I was telling you about this, he said this is Jesus' farewell discourse. This was sort of his goodbye message. But of all things Jesus does, he's painting pictures, and you think of all things that he could talk about before he goes back to be with the Father, he's talking about vines and branches. Really? Like, what's with that? Like, let me ask you, do you think at least it's important? So hear God's word. Jesus says, I am the true vine. John 15, you can look in my father's a gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it. So that it will be even more fruitful. Wow. And you're already clean because of the words I've spoken to you. Now look, Susan, just remain in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can produce fruit by itself. It must, must, Austin, remain in the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not remain in me is like a branch that is just thrown away and withers. Such branches are just picked up and are just thrown into the fire and burned. But if you, if you remain in me, I promise I'll remain in you. See, this is to my Father's glory that you would bear much fruit. Show yourselves to be my disciples. Get this. As the Father has loved me, so have I desired you. Now, if you keep my commandments, you'll remain in that love. I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your sense of well-being would be made full. Now, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has this, and he lays down his life for his friends, right? How powerful. And Jesus goes on to say, you know, I no longer call you servants, but friends, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. But everything the Father's revealed to me, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that should remain. These things I've told you so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he might give you. Now, this is my commandment, that you would love one another. Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross, and he's talking about vines and branches. Why in the world is he doing that? Have any of you ever been to Israel? Well, if you ever get a chance to go, Spend your last time to do it. Because everywhere you go, you're going to see them. You'll see vines and branches. 
Can you imagine? This is why Jesus said this. is We ought to teach kids this way. Here's what we do. We have campaigners, and we talk about Jesus being the bread of life, and there's no loaf of bread in the room. How do you do that? Dude, be fishers of men. You ought to have a fishing pole there. We're the fragrance of Christ. Somebody better have a candle lit or perfume or something. I mean, Jesus did this. He was talking about sheep, bread, you know, vines, branches. Why? Because we, we just treat our brains like we're half-brained cerebral people. Imagination always trumps knowledge, so to speak. This is why Jesus told stories and parables. We remember them, don't we? How many of you remember your math class? Uh, no. How many of you read the Chronicles of Narnia? You remember that? Screw tape letters. We go on and on. Like, you get this stuff, right? This is why, you know, we tell kids, all right, look, now, you know, you're a Christian. You got to love Jesus. You can't have sex before you're married. That's bad. Well, you know, you only go so far. <laughs> this is what we do to kids. Like, this is, like uh, this is terrible. Like, we ought to be able to talk about this a whole other topic, Steve. I'd love to tackle that sometime. But we have no theology of the body. We, we have nothing about desire. We act like, uh, uh. And kids are going, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I'm hearing what this dude's saying, and it ain't living inside of me. All I know is when I saw the front of that Sports Illustrated magazine, something in me goes, not bad. You know, I'm just telling you. Like, we, we're crazy people sometimes, and we're so inarticulate. We don't think like the master. So what's Jesus trying to say? I think one of the things he's trying to say is this. I'm trying to give you a sense, you guys. I've given you three years of my life. I'm leaving. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. But this is going to take way more than talent, way more than charisma, way more than being good program directors, way more than being good speakers. You've got to stay connected. You've got to remember who's who and what's what. And it's really easy to forget this, is it not? This is why tomorrow night we're going to talk about actually finishing this race. There are some who started in faith, and they actually died in faith. There are a lot of people getting off the faith train. And if history repeats itself, if we came back in this room in 10 years, there's a chance that some of us who are on Young Life staff right now, we're going to have gotten off the faith train. Because whether we know it or not, the God that we love is the God of my desires, the God of my expectations, the God of my wants. And when your life doesn't match up with what you think God is and what you think life ought to be, all of a sudden there's something wrong with God and you threaten God by pulling your faith from God. When everything in you is only at home with Him and wants Him. I think this is why Jesus keeps telling us this. Who's who and what's what? So, you know, the key word in this, in this phrase in John 1 to 17, what do you think the key word is in John 1 to 17? What's that? Remain. You're exactly right. Some have abide, right? Some people often think it's fruit. Fruit is only a byproduct. Fruit is mentioned about eight times, 11 times is the word abide. In the Greek, it's a present participle. It means do it now, do it now, do it now. <laughs> Do it now, do it now. It's a, it's a homey word, meaning it, it literally means to kind of be at home and to, to rest, to find comfort, security, and just kind of picture that chair in a nice warm living room with a fire, and you're sitting, you're abiding in the chair. It's like, oh, with a hot cup of chocolate, hot chocolate. Jesus is saying, I want you to just do that. 
I want you to just stay in the safe place of my love and my mercy and my grace. Just stay there. Because when you stay there, what I am comes out of you. How many of you in this Young Life staff feel like you're not enough? Any of you ever felt that? Any of you felt like you don't have enough, you're not enough? I just want to tell you right now, you're not enough. So get over it. There's one person who is. You will get eaten up by the I can help people monster. In fact, one of my friends who's a counselor, he helped me one day. He says, Goody, it is not your job to fix people. You cannot fix people. You can love people. You can tell people the truth. You can walk people, but you can't fix people. Because, see, many people don't walk. Takes hard work, doesn't it? So Jesus is saying something here, right? He's saying he's the vine, and we're just branches. And one of the things that the powerful thing about a branch is, it gets to display everything that the vine is. Whose energy goes into the branches? I'm telling you guys, think that, see, we think we know this stuff. We don't think about this stuff. If your life depended on this, if you're a branch, how much energy, if, you, if a branch could think, how much attention do you think that branch is going to give to staying close to the vine? Chuck Reynold used to say this, the most important person that we win to Jesus Christ every day is who? Yourself. I believe that's true. It's so true. And that everything the vine is is our resource that we honestly get to just be a display table for what the vine is. He literally does stuff we don't even know. If you sit in that chair next to the fireplace, so to speak, in your soul and trust me, I will produce what I am in and out of you. But here's what happens the longer we do this thing. This relationship, no longer, it all starts and it's about who when we first meet the Lord. It's all about who? The Lord, right? And after about two years, who is it more about now? Who? We're all saying, how are you doing with the Lord? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. Why are you feeling bad about yourself? Nah, we got the enough disease. I don't got the enough, I don't do enough disease. How many in this room really feel like you pray enough? I mean, seriously. You feel you read enough? How many of you had lustful thoughts today? You don't have to answer any of these. I'm just being honest. How many of you have some secrets? You just, you just say, there's some stuff going on. Like, no, nobody better find that out. I'd be unbelievably embarrassed, which is kind of sad, to be honest with you. This is powerful stuff. You see, it should never not, not be about him. It is, get this, guys. The vine can live without the branch. The branch can't live without the vine. I had Cam go tear me off. You know, this looks pretty good right now, but it's essentially dead. I'll leave it up here, and over the week, week next two days, this thing is going to start looking like it really is, which is what? And I think we have a little Christian community. Sometimes we fool each other. Then all of a sudden, the wheels come off the car. Whoa, what just happened? It is never not about this. See, here's the terrible thing. See, a lot of times people come to Jesus, and we think, okay, now i got to teach people how to integrate Jesus into their life. You ever think of that? And he's like, one more piece of the pie. It isn't about that. Like, Jesus Christ is the center of everything flows out of. Listen, it isn't about how to integrate Jesus into your life. It's being so close to the vine that he actually explains life to us. He's always the first move. 
God knows more about everything than us. And so there's this great Hebrew word. It's called avad or avodah. And it means, it's the same word for three things. And it's so great. Work, worship, and service. Isn't it awesome? Work, worship, and service. So first century Hebrew, you go, I'm going to work. You go, you mean you're going to worship? No, I'm going to work. No, you're going to worship. And you're going to serve. This is why Paul said, whatever you do, you put your whole heart into it. It's done for who? The Lord. This is a whole other topic. This is where we get this crazy secular sacred thing. That's a very dualistic mindset. What makes something secular is not a category, it's its direction. So some people think that you guys and I, we have a God job, but all your committee have a secular job. And I've often said to a believer, I said, look, there's not one believer I know that should ever have a secular job. Like, why would you ever have a secular job? That's crazy. You have a job. It's direction. Do you not think that there's such thing as holy teachers? Really? Thank God. Godly business people, IT people, honest carpenters? Really? You don't think that there's secular stuff in the church? This is what makes something secular isn't its essence, it's its direction. And so I think what Jesus keeps trying to say to us is this, there is nothing, nothing if this thing's going to get going on that ever exceeds you knowing that I love you and I Let's throw up some of these real quick pictures. I just a couple more minutes and we'll end. That, that get at this connection. These are maybe some more, like, how important is that connection? If that gets disconnected, what happens to that dude? I don't know how far that fall is, but that could be tragic. Let's flip up another one there, Jordan. How about that? How sweet's that? Don't you just feel it? How about the next one? It's a little more archaic, but some of you, you know, that's your computer. You, you're glad about it. That's an important connection, right? Keep going. How about that? I don't think about that with the Lord. Like, what if it isn't about trying to just please him, but just being in him? He's given an invitation in this image. I am what you're not, and you will never be what I'm not, what I am. I just want you to be what you are. Just be the greatest, most abiding vine, I mean, branch you can be and just take in what I am and I'll give you what you need because see, you aren't enough. Be like John the Baptist when they said, are you him? You're the Messiah. He said, I am what? Not. I am not. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way. But here's what I know and we'll end with this. There's little things you can look it up in this crazy little illustration of a vine, this is a vine. You have the branches that go out. You have to be careful how you say this. But these little things that go right in the crease of the vine and the branch, and they're called sucker shoots. And they're real deals. And you know what they do? They try to steal what's coming from the vine onto the branch. And they have to be pruned so that the flow can be released so the fruit can be all that it was meant to be. We're going to spend some time tomorrow evening talking about some of these and why there are people like Young Life staff, me and you, who sometimes don't grow into all that we're meant to be. Because there's crazy stuff out there, isn't there? 
I just want you guys to hear this tonight, that you're desired. You don't just exist. God only doesn't just love you. He actually wants you. There have been dads who've told their kids and moms who've told their kids, I love you. The kid doesn't feel like they want them. You're actually wanted. And here's what I also know. You will change to the degree that you really believe you are loved and wanted. You're not going to change near as much by your effort. I got to pray more. And I would say pray all you can. I'm all for prayer. I got to read more. Oh, I hope you read and read until your eyeballs fall out till you need new glasses. But I know this. You're really going to change when you really dare to allow yourself to say, could I actually be desired by the God who made everything? To whom then will you liken me, says the Lord? That if a glassmaker can make a pitcher out of craziness, God Almighty wants more from you than just your efforts. Well, that was part one of three messages that we got to hear from Pat Goodman. Man, there was so much good in this, and, and I hope that you have some notes and that you get to take 30 seconds and just circle the one thing that's for you. And I know for me that the one thing, and I'm going to cheat and say two things that were for me, were you are changed by the degree that you know you are loved, and that God doesn't just love you, but He wants you. He desires you. Man, there's some good stuff here. Anyway, stick around. Part two is coming up.